Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes. October 1st, we smash it 10 yards tonight. A buck we call Pickles. A south wind pushing us back to the zag. Better stand on our backs. Set it Set it out and see what happens. Absolutely drilled in. And boom, he said, Good buck. We'll get my buck, and then we're gonna go get homie's buck. It's been urban peace as hell. Got him. Pickles is dead. Kevin Gates, both kills on hanging hunts. My first public land buck. Nice work, dude. Triple brow on the right. I'm digging that. Fucked out October 28th. An absolutely incredible season. Here we go. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy podcast coming in your ear holes. And we are a week closer to deer season. Shit is getting real out there, guys. (laughs) The crops are up. The bucks are in velvet. The fawns are on the ground. I don't think I told you. Did I tell you that I caught a fawn? No. Yeah, I got Got low-key pictures. I didn't want to post them because I'm like, I don't know what, like, but they're bailing hay out of Colby's house. Oh, yeah. And Fawn's just, like, walking out there. So we're, like, trying to, like, get it back in the woods. It lets us get, like, 10 foot from it and then takes off running and then gets tangled up in woven wire fence. (sighs) So we had to go over there and get it out of the woven wire fence. I'm just holding it. Things are strong as hell, bro. (laughs) It's like holding on to a Wolverine, dude. <laughs> but yeah, out there, uh, all the kids were coming up, checking it out and petting it and shit. I was like, I touched it already. So, yeah. I, but it was literally like head inside of a woven wire fence. Like, damn. It. I was like, damn it. I just trying to get you out the field so you didn't get bailed. Bro. Yeah, but for sure. Save the nice doe out there. Deer scramble um, out here. I <laughs> have no idea where the mom was. I'm assuming it got ran out of the hay field in separate direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
but I was like, I put them back in the timber away from the Wovemeyer fence. So it's like, but anyways, yeah, the, the fawns are on the ground. Um, a lot of people are getting trail cam pics and sharing them already. We obviously have none out. Um, we'll cover that in a couple episodes probably, <laughs> but, uh, what do you got over there for Exodus, homie? Yeah, guys, uh, if you've been following us along here the last couple weeks, Exodus is running their seven-year sale. So um, they got this special campaign going on starting a couple weeks ago, going all the way till June 13th. So you're going to be able to use the code YEAR7 to save 20% off the entire Exodus website. Um, that includes the Exodus render, any render bundle, and the SP18 solar panel, and also some new merch that they just released. So um you guys know we talk about Exodus every week, um, 4G LTE with some of the fastest transmission times coming across the, the airwaves out there right to your phone. And uh, the Exodus Advantage, uh, three things that they really preach is their five-year no BS warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, which is unheard of, and uh, that customer service that they're known for. So now is the time to get into an Exodus render if you guys are on the edge of doing it. And uh, you can also do that by using code YEAR7 at their website, saving 20% off of the SP18, the render and the SP18 bundle, or just the Exodus render. And um, don't forget, guys, Velvet Fest is coming in July. Um, I'm going to hit you with Ride On Optics just for our Illinois guys. It's getting a little closing curtain call for uh, gun tags here real soon. I, I just was got thinking the, about uh, that today. The hunt reminder. I still am getting the hunt God. reminder notifications. Um, I, I like them a lot. I've already got all my stuff laid out, um, but uh, got the muzzleloader out, just checking the optics, got the shotgun out, just checking the optics. Um, that's the time of the year right now that you need to think about finding ammo for those things because it's really hard to find ammo. Shooting them and make sure they're on and make sure that your optics in good working condition um, didn't get bumped. Or if you're going to replace the optic, this is the time to do it. Have plenty of time. You don't want to decide you're going to replace it in October. And, oh, man, I got a month till gun season. And then you're out there bow hunting. And then it's three days before gun season. And you ain't got an optic on your gun. Um, I've been there with my muzzleloader. Last year was an absolute disaster with the scope that I had on it. Um, so um, if you need a new optic, you can check, on, check out rideonoptics.com. All right, moving into next level deer supplements. Guys, one thing, we always are out here drilling um, that, you know, Nate and Scott are family guys, and um, we're always hammering the feed and the mineral. But uh, one thing that we kind of forget about is another great product that they have, and it's the roasted soybean block. So the roasted soybean block is a protein supplemental block with all the same high-performance ingredients as their feed and mineral. And this thing is very durable. It's not going to fall apart in the rain, and it's great for those hard-to-access areas or places that you want to limit pressure on but still want to offer a supplement. And uh, Or if you can't get a four-wheeler or a side-by-side -side deep in there and uh, you can't pack in a bag or something in there to get the mineral or the supplement where you need it, this 33-pound block is a great option to uh, get in there and uh, put, it, put it in front of a trail camera. So... Um, they also have elevated um, feeder blocks that are elevated feeder block holders that you guys can also purchase there that they are dealers for. And uh, you can do all that at nextleveldeer.com. All right, guys. Well, we got Matt Champlin on. 
Um, we're talking about his transition as being an adult into hunting, how he's used YouTube, social media, and podcasts to gain knowledge, um, to get him fast-tracked to where he's at right now. Um, and then we go into some fitness as aspects at the end, um, why he believes that fitness has helped him uh, be a better hunter and hunt a little harder than your average guy. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Here we go. All right, we got Matt Chaplin on the line. How's it going tonight? Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing good, man. I didn't murder your last name, did I? No, no, you you actually Perfect. got it on. First, first try. Usually, usually it's uh, Champlain, like the lake out here. Yeah, I, I can't tell how many times you get called that, or Chaplin, or Chapman, or somebody always gets it wrong. And I think for like maybe the first time in like the last seven episodes, we hit the record button and shit just is still working fine. <laughs> so right <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but this might be a good one here. Time out. out. Uh, I'm messing with my mic right now. Like I, it's actually important. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you reached out to homie and uh, I actually followed your page and follow your stories pretty frequently, but we haven't talked like in person, I know you've reached out to homie uh, and talked about that you listened to the podcast and uh, I enjoy your, your Instagram stories and posts. Um, oh, we both sure. like to work out and both like to hunt. So uh, yeah. when he said you wanted to come on, I was like, well, top of the list. Let's get him up there. <laughs> I had some other guys I could have reached out to. I was like, ah, we'll just see if he can come on. Um, so appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You actually caught me on a perfect night. I don't have anything going on with work, nothing with the kids, nothing. So it's perfect night for it. Perfect. It worked out good then. All right. Yeah, homie. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll let Matt do a quick introduction to yourself and I'm gonna let you take it over. Sound good. Big stud. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All wait, right, Matt. Wait, am I, am I the big stud or is homie the big stud? You're, you <laughs> are definitely. <laughs> you got to clarify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so uh, I'm not. What do you want to know? Just a quick, like, intro about me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, my name is Matt Champlin. Uh, 31 years old. I live in Syracuse, New York. Uh, kind of one of those hidden gem states that doesn't really get the recognition for being a big buck state, but I think we've got a lot of potential here. Um, I'm married happily. I've got an incredible wife. I've got three beautiful kids: uh, a nine-year-old, three-year-old, and almost two-year-old. Uh, and as far as work goes, um, I, this is going to sound probably a little strange, but I actually sell lasers. Um, <laughs> I sell medical. Yeah. Yeah. I see the head nod. Nice. Head nice. Yeah. Uh, I sell, uh, what's considered medical and aesthetic laser systems. So, um, I used to be in the medical field, spent 11 years as a surgical tech, uh, assisting in surgeries in the military and in the civilian world. Um, spent four years in the air force. What is that? Oh, I think our fridge just kicked on. Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, spent four years in the military, became a surgical tech there, uh, did that for a total of 11 and then uh, transitioned to the sales world about three years ago and uh, never looked back. It's very different world to be in. Um, if you told me five, even 10 years ago that I was going to be doing this right now, I'd tell you you were crazy, but uh, I got it's one an question. amazing industry. Yeah. One question. Can I get some freaking sharks with laser beams on the head? <laughs> I was waiting for some sort of reference. I was going to say, he's probably heard that 38 times. I'm like, I yeah. can't miss this moment. There's three yeah. people that are listening to this podcast that got the reference, and everybody else is like, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, or the, uh, do you and the laser get a room? I get that one a lot. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's a pretty, it's a 
I mean, if you uh, if you look into like lasers or like aesthetic industry, it's a really I mean, it's really amazing industry to be in. But it's uh, again something I never would have ever seen myself in. I just kind of stumbled across the opportunity from my previous sales job, and uh, so I've been doing this about a year now. Actually, like a year ago this week uh, was when I started with this company. So uh, it's given me a lot of opportunities to you know, take care of and provide for my family in ways I never would have imagined. So it's been extremely rewarding, but. Well, that's awesome. You know, uh, I would say something a little bit out of the norm, which is kind of the scope of our whole horror ordeal here. So um, that's very cool yeah. to hear you doing that. And uh, talk about accuracy, like just the the pinpoint of what you are dealing with, man. Like that's, that's kind of mind blowing when you really break it down and start thinking about it. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It still kind of baffles me that I am where I am, but, um, you know, as far as that goes, one of the best parts about my job, I actually cover the entire state of New York by myself. Um, I'm constantly on the road. Like I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but maybe you guys saw, I just bought a new truck. Um, that's because I put a hundred and hundred plus thousand miles on my truck in a year and a half. Um, like I do an astronomical amount of driving, but it, I mean, if you've never been to upstate New York, it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous up here. There's two things I don't like in the, in New York. That's politics and taxes. Um, <laughs> other than that, other than that, it's a great place to live. So um, beautiful wine country, hills, mountains. You got the Adirondacks. There's just, just beautiful everywhere. So I'm, I'm born and raised here. Uh, only time I left New York was when I was in the Air Force. So, hmm. Well, um, we're, we'll get into it here. And I... Cody slid in a, a new uh, topic, so I think I'm actually going to start off with that. Um, it's kind of you starting to hunting a little bit later than life than a lot of uh, people, and I think that that's probably going to tie into um, our topic of tonight. And uh, so just go ahead and start talking about your transition into hunting a little bit later in life here. Yeah, yeah so um, I, I was exposed to hunting a lot as a kid. Um, you know, my dad hunts very intermittently. It's never been like a passion of his, um, but he grew up doing it. So I was exposed to it through him. Uh, you know, a couple of my mom's brothers and one of my dad's brothers, all uncles, of course. Um, you know, I, I would go on hunts with them. I was exposed to it at a pretty early age, but it was something that never really like stuck. Like I, you know, I was always in this, I was an athlete growing up. So I was always too focused on trying to be the next Michael Jordan or, you know, whatever growing up. So I, it was never a passion. Um, and then when I was 28 is actually when I like really got into it. Um, and I was actually thinking about it earlier, of course, leading into this, wanted to, you know, kind of refresh my memory on that whole journey. And it was actually uh, watching YouTube videos. And, you know, what actually got me kind of started on it was um, I went on a hunt the year before um, just as like a spectator, basically, with my dad and my uncles on our family property. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I kind of want to get into this. Like, I want to try it. And, you know, I had never really given it a real try. So, um, you know, the following off season, I looked into getting my hunter safety course, you know, I bought my first rifle as an adult. Um, you know, I had a 22 growing up. I still have it actually. It's eventually will go to one of my kids. Um, so, you know, I've shot guns my entire life, of course, shotguns in the military. Although if you ask the Marines or the army, they'll tell you the air force doesn't shoot guns. Um, but, uh, you know, I was pretty proficient in all that stuff. So I started doing my research, um, you know, first season out, I'll be fully honest. I didn't see a single deer. I saw absolutely nothing. 
looking back on it, I know exactly why I didn't because I traipsed through the woods like T-Rex uh, <laughs> and, and made all kinds of noise. I had no set control. I basically went to a stand. I sat there for 30 minutes. I moved to another stand. I moved to another stand. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, as many family members as I have that hunted, I never really paired up with anybody to learn from them. So um, they're not the, you know, hey, let me take you and show you what to do type. They're just the uh, sit over here shoot the first thing that moves basically um but uh no then you know that off season you know i was a little bit frustrated i was a little bit down um but i i knew i wanted to do it i knew i wanted to be successful at it so i did more research i started uh you know watching i mean countless hours of youtube videos uh i started diving into podcasts which is actually when i came across you guys uh, a facebook group somebody recommended listening to you guys um so i was like hey shit you know i looked up oh sorry can i cuss on here okay. yeah you're good yeah, man <laughs> yeah. okay all right okay um so i looked up you know you guys a bunch of other ones and i started kind of dabbling like okay let's do a couple of your guys a couple of theirs a couple of theirs and i don't know why but you guys kind of stuck out i'm like okay like i you know you seem more relatable you seem more down to earth everyday guys i'm like okay like I, you know, and I was still working at the hospital at the time. So I'd listen to you guys on my lunch break. I'd listen to you at home or when I'm working out or whatever. And I started just compiling information. I'm like, you know, I got a notebook down. I started jotting stuff down. I'm like, you know, and I, I'll credit you guys. Honestly, you guys and a couple good buddies that I have now are pretty much where I've learned everything I know about hunting. Like genuinely, I mean that genuinely. So you guys have put out some, I mean, really spot on incredible content that even the differences between where you are and where I am they translate. Um, you know, it wouldn't do me any good to listen to elk hunting podcasts because there's no elk in New York. So, you know, I listen to podcasts that relate to my area, of course. Um, so yeah, year two going out, um, I got my first deer. That was, uh, you know, holy crap. Like kind of like, uh, Mr. Freeze to you guys, but mine was a doe. So <laughs> I was like, holy crap, I can do it. Like I, I, I was shaking so bad. It took me probably an hour and a half to get out of the tree stand. I could barely move. I shot a, you know, really good sized doe at 30 yards with a 308. I mean, it was dead within 10 feet. Um, and that was my first deer. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that just happened. I was amped out of my mind. I was celebrating. I was freaking emotional. I was like, this is insane. And then, you know, where I'll kind of tie the lifting into it here a little bit right now, but you know, I, I mean, homies seen, you guys have seen, I, I can lift a decent amount of weight. I'm not the world's strongest man, but I can lift a decent amount of weight. But, uh, so when my uncle was like, Oh, you know, yeah, they're dough anywhere from 150, 180 pounds typically is a good size dough. And I'm like, Oh, that's nothing until I tried to drag it up a hill for about 300 yards. And then I found out that uh, a dough is pretty heavy. Um, but, uh, no, so that was my first year. Um, I got it home, had no idea what to do with it. I didn't do any research on that ahead of time. I mean, I knew how to gut it. I knew how to you know, field dress it, that kind of stuff. Um, but that was, again, that was a first. I had nobody there to show me. Um, I watched, literally pulled up a YouTube video while standing over the deer to double check that I knew what I was doing. Uh, the fortunate side for me is I come from the operating room. I'm very familiar with anatomy. I'm totally comfortable with a knife in my hand, blood, all that stuff does not bother me at all. Uh, I dove right in. I think I had that deer field dressed in, you know, 10, 12 minutes. And I was like, okay, let's get it home. And then I got it home and I'm like, well, I have no idea what to do now. Do I take it to a butcher <laughs> or a processor or whatever? And uh, my neighbor comes over and now 
for a little insight, I live in the suburbs of Syracuse. I am a laser salesman. There is nobody <laughs> in my industry that hunts. <laughs> I am a unicorn in that sense. As soon as I mention it, everybody I work with, they golf, they like fine wines and bourbons. They're, they're not blue collar people at all. So, um, I got back and my neighbor who's closer to my parents age than he is mine. I think he's in his mid fifties. Um, I told Texan was like, Hey, like I got my first deer. Uh, I knew he hunted and stuff growing up. So what I didn't know, he comes over when I get home and he's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Like, where are you going to get it processed? I'm like, I, I have no idea. He's like, I've, I've never, never gotten to this point before. And, uh, he's like, well, Hey, he's like, my dad and I ran a deer processing business for 20 years. He's like, I can show you how to do it. And I'm like, no way. So then I took it to a whole nother level and I learned how to process the deer myself. We literally, I have pictures, I'll have to send it to you, literally strung it up in the tree, in the backyard, in the suburbs of Syracuse. And it got <laughs> lots of attention. Um, <laughs> we had people, like we're in a cul-de-sac too. So like once you see it, there's no getting away from it. Like you're just stuck, <laughs> you're just stuck seeing it. So um yeah, I mean, we literally roped it up in the tree in the backyard, skinned it out, um, you know, processed everything right then and there, uh, corded everything out, then broke it into bags. And then, like, I mean, I was obsessed when that happened. I'm like, oh, my God, I can do everything myself. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, and it put that much more pride into it, too. I'm like, oh, my God, like, not only did I just harvest a beautiful animal that I know I like, because I already knew I liked venison. I'm like, I just harvested a beautiful animal. Now I know how to do everything start to finish myself. I mean, I, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say that, but like, I was like, oh my God, like I was obsessed at that point. Um, and it was just a huge thing for me, you know, and I was 28, 29 at the time. Um, and I was hooked from that, that then on, I was hooked. Um, the next kind of hunting passion that set in that I dove really into was coyote hunting from there. Then I started watching Fox Pro videos and uh, what is it, MFK. Um, and I'm like, hey, like this is a season that runs for six months here. Like I can get so much more hunting activity. And if I get into this, I did not know how much money I was going to spend on all that <laughs> stuff. Um, nor did my wife, who didn't know anything about hunting prior to me getting into it. She's a suburb girl from Syracuse. So um, shout out to her for tolerating this obsession of mine. Um, um so yeah then i got into coyote hunting and i took every opportunity i could you know at that time we still only had my daughter um my oldest so it was easy like hey i'll run out at night for a few hours i think she was pregnant with my son or maybe he was a newborn at that point i'm trying to remember he's three now so um you know i started taking every chance i could go out here, go out there. I started getting land access. So I got exposure to that, knocking on doors, calling people up. I got into Onyx. Um, that was another thing um, I learned from your guys' podcast, like how to scout on Onyx and, uh, you know, look at the topography and, and all that stuff. So I started utilizing that for coyote hunting. Um, and my first season of it was, which was the same season that I got my first doe. Um, I think we killed, it was me and a buddy of mine. I think we killed maybe six or seven. The whole season i mean we again had no clue what we were doing spent hundreds of dollars on equipment um and just kind of ran rampant through the woods stopped around did a bunch of terrible calling habits um you know probably blew 
every coyote in the tri-county area out of, out of that area because they knew people were hunting um next season again during the off season did a ton of research watched countless hours of videos the next season i think we killed 45 50 um third se- third season which was uh not this past season the season before i think we killed like close to 80 um like we you know and it was like it, it got to the point where i was like holy crap like we're you know just boom 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 and we'd get one or two one night three or four the next night and out here I'll be very honest. A lot of it was population control. Um, there's a ton of coyotes out here. I mean, I could show you dozens and dozens and dozens of trail cam photos of them. Um, they're one of the things that there's not a lot of like active coyote hunters out here. Um, so we did a lot of damage um, on a lot of farms out here, uh, all over the area I grew up in, closer to Syracuse, kind of all over the place. Um, and then, uh, following season you know again i got more into i learned more about set control i started getting into trail cameras which i hadn't done yet um again the strategy behind that i mean it it, i'm very detail oriented so i was listening to every little detail you could imagine from the podcast like which way to face the cameras hang them high angle them down um you know don't face them into the sun like every little thing that to most people they already knew that because they grew up knowing that to me i'm like the first couple cameras I put out, I checked them for the first time and all I had was sun glare, hundreds of photos of sun glare. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I doing wrong? So there was lots of learning, lots of frustration, lots of cussing, um, you know, damning the woods, damning the deer, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think where I kind of expanded from there. Um, so then, yeah, last year, um, I got another, or no, sorry, not last year, the year before I got two more does. Um, so that was great. Uh, but I was still in the, you know, I'll be very honest. I was still in the brown and down phase. I was still rifle hunting. I hadn't ever shot a bow prior to that. Uh, and then last season, last season, I got into bow hunting. Uh, we went on vacation to Myrtle beach and we stopped by a bass pro that was down there. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, Hey, can I, and I buy a compound bow. I had been shooting a recurve, a handmade recurve, which if you ever find the videos on my Instagram, my dad made that in high school in the seventies, handmade it 65 pound draw. The thing is a freaking tank. Uh, the only thing I changed was I put a new string on it when he handed it down to me. So I started shooting a bow in probably like February or March of last year. Uh, and then in July, June or July last year, I bought the first compound bow. Um, I bought a PSE uprising like four or 500 bucks, um, had no idea what I was doing when I bought it. Didn't know what to look for, what to look out for. Um, so I bought it and it had a cheap little plastic three pin sight on it. Um, I bought a little wrist strap release, um, blackout, I think it was. Um, and I started shooting and I never took it to an archery shop, never had a single lesson. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and I taught myself how to shoot a combo, how to tune it, how to, uh, you know, adjust the sights, how to, you know, archery technique, all of that stuff. I learned it myself just through trial and error. And if you look at our fence posts on our chain link fence, there's plenty of missed shots that went through <laughs> fence posts. So um, you'll see that there was lots of trial and error. Um, so last year was my first year bow hunting. Um, and I had never had like, other than that first doe, I had never had like a truly close encounter with a deer in the woods. Um, so I was like, yeah, like my uncle's like, you'll see so many more deer during bow season than you will during gun season. Cause gun season out here is middle of November till like early December. 
it's like three and a half, four weeks. Um, so he's like, you know, you'll get a lot more activity, a lot more action. You'll enjoy it a lot more. The weather's nicer, everything. So, um, I was like, Hey, you know, what have I got to lose? You know, I bought a couple mobile tree stands. Um, we had plenty of preset stands, um, which by the way, we have about, uh, 170, 180 acres of private land. Um, it was my grandfather's family. You know, my dad and my uncle still own pretty much all of it. Uh, beautiful and literally beautiful hunting ground too. Uh, so started doing that, uh, last season and got into, you know, really, you know, set control, wind direction, paying attention to more of the details. And sure enough, uh, last year I probably passed 20 different does, 25 different does. And because I was holding out for a buck, I'm like, I got to get a buck. I don't care if it's a freaking six pointer, like little basket rack. I got to get a buck. And uh, sure enough, um, I think it was first week of November. I think I don't remember the exact day um, in the tree stand in the morning, texted my wife. Hey, how the kids doing? You know, everything going OK at home because it's about an hour and a half from our house. Put my phone back in my vinyl harness and I look over my left shoulder and there is a buck a beautiful eight pointer. Um, I don't know deer measurements that well, so I'm not even going to guess on what the rack measurement was, but I, it was no giant, but it was a really good looking big bodied eight pointer. And he was six yards from the tree. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I didn't, I don't know what came over. If it was adrenaline or what I didn't lose my composure. I didn't start shaking, but my bow was completely behind me. I was leaning my right shoulder against the tree texting like I would on a wall and the bow was completely behind me and the deer is literally six yards underneath me. Um, and this is the first time I had ever seen a buck in the woods to be completely honest. Um, so I'm now, he looks up right at me as soon as I started to try to rotate, um, managed to swivel around and get my bow in my hand, got it off the hook and was about halfway towards his direction when he kind of realized something was up and started to try to wet, not fast, just trotted, um, got up about 20 yards. I think it was 18 when I ranged it, but about 20 yards and then makes a left. And when he made a left around the bundle of the trees, there was literally a three foot gap and he stopped perfectly in that gap. I was already on him, drew back while he was trotting away. So waited for him to turn. And I took my shot, first ever one on a buck, and he spun to his right away from me as I shot, and I planted that sucker right in his shoulder. Um, I thought it was a perfect shot at the time. It wasn't until I replayed it in my mind about a billion times that I realized he rotated as I shot. Um, so I called in a tracker, the whole nine yards. I, you know, I thought it was a great shot, but didn't have a lot of blood. Uh, called in a tracker and thankfully he survived had him on trail camera for the rest of the season um didn't seem to really be limping or hurting too bad um, so i'm grateful for that but uh i went from the ultimate high to the ultimate low real quick um you know because I, I was sick to my stomach I'm like, oh my god i hurt him he's gonna be you know wounded he's gonna get torn up by coyotes or whatever um you know i was i was pretty devastated so that was a very humbling experience um i went on to have several more buck encounters uh throughout the bow season um but every single one was just a little bit out of range um, my comfort range last year was about 25 30 yards i was you know, still very new to a bow i would target shoot 40 45 yards pretty confidently but i i knew a hunting shot i would never take a shot that far 
Um, so everything was, you know, 40 plus yards. It wasn't anything I was comfortable shooting. And, uh, and I, I know I sent you guys some pictures, but there was one particular buck that showed up in November that, um, I quickly was like, okay, my attention's on this guy. Um, I'm not too good at the whole deer naming thing. Uh, but I came up with Mike Tyneson, uh, because he's got a, a neck, he's got a neck on him, like a boxer. And all I could think of was Mike Tyson. Um, yeah, you know, he's just Mike. Mike, like a Mike Tyneson or Tyneson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice, right, nice. right. Yeah, ultimate dad humor right there. Yeah, um, but I came up with that name for him, and you know, sure enough, that you know, from November, I think he showed up on camera November first, and from November first till the day of gun opener, I mean, he was just blowing up cameras on both sides. Y'all, our property's kind of split by a T in the road. So we have the east side, the west side, and the south side. That's kind of how our properties divided up. And I had him on all three sections, multiple days, daylight, nighttime, everything. I mean, he was just lighting up my camera. And uh, so I got really excited. But again, I was still so new and learning that I was trying to pinpoint his route, his location, where he was bedded. But I just didn't know enough at the time. Um, I'll put that part in there at the time. Now I do. Uh <laughs> So I pursued him until opening day of gun season uh, when I put my dad in a platform blind. My dad's 61 now, doesn't like the cold, not crazy about hunting. So I built him a big eight foot platform. I put a pop-up blind on it and he hadn't hunted in three or four years. My dad had never killed a buck ever. He's always just shot the first doe that walks out and uh, 30 minutes into daylight, I'm sitting a hundred yards away or less with my bow and my dad hunts with a 356 Winchester. I think it is or Remington. I think it's a Remington. It's an absolute cannon. And also just boom, 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 boom. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, I mean, I'm flinching every time because he's so close. And all I can hear is boom, and then brass hits the wood, and boom, brass hits the wood. And I'm texting him, like, what is going on over there? And then I peek, I lowered my head down, and he was a straight shot through the woods. I could see where he was. He was overlooking the cornfield. And I see Mike Tyneson standing in the middle of the field, 50 yards from my dad. And my, I'm watching dirt blow up all around him. <laughs> He took a total, I'll never let him live it down. He took a total of nine shots. He emptied the whole gun, reloaded, shot two more times, and then stopped shooting. What he didn't know is that he had somehow thrown his scope off. Didn't know how, didn't know when, but it was way off. I mean, it was like a foot and a half high to the right. Um, so he was just hitting the dirt all around it and never hit the deer. Well, then the last two shots it registered in his head that underneath the scope, because it's an old school rifle, there's iron sights. But by that point, the big guy had wandered back into the woods and there was a beautiful eight point still standing in the field, trying to figure out what the hell all the rat is about. <laughs> so then my dad blows a football sized hole out of the backside of this eight pointer. And uh, it, this thing runs in the worst possible way i mean he's in a wide open cornfield it's 500 yards long 200 yards wide he could have just died anywhere in that field it ran half a mile through the thickest nastiest crap you can imagine to the very back side of our property and that's where it died and it took 
me two hours to drag that thing from where he found it out through the woods. And that's where I'll kind of tie in the fitness aspect. Um, if, I mean, as long as you guys are right with that, I know I've been kind of rambling on, but. I just wanted to mention that. I think it's really cool that, you know, our content helped you out at all. A lot of people don't know this, but when we made the podcast, we were listening to podcast and homie might be able to back me up. I would say 90% to 95% of every episode was a guy who was on the juries or a guy that was someone famous, you know what I mean? And we, yeah, we, yeah. we, we were absorbing content just like you were, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. Um, and that's when my turn was when I finally got those first podcasts. Cause what you learned in the last three years took me like 10, 15 years to learn. Cause there's just, like you said, there's no one there. I didn't yeah. have a dad that was like, Hey man, you got to hunt the wind. Like if someone would have told me, you got to hunt the win 10 years ago. I, my game level would be, I would have so many more bucks down because I would know like, Hey, you need to hunt the win. Like it's pretty yeah. common sense, but uh, we started the podcast because we wanted to learn more about hunting. A lot of people yeah. start the podcast because they want to be make money or they want to be yeah, famous. Or be famous. In the hunting yeah. industry. We had like no clue what we were doing. The only thing we wanted to know was how could we get this guy on the phone and talk to him for an hour about deer hunting? Like, how can we do that? And this was our outlet to talk to people that we looked up to on Instagram and be like, Hey, I got this podcast. It's hard to have an hour conversation with someone on a phone, but if you're recording a podcast, it's easy. It's like, yeah, sure. I'll come on there. Cause they're, they're getting a low exposure for what they got going on. But, uh, I think it's cool to see, you know, what took me like 10 to 15 years is taking you like three to four years, which is, is really cool. And that's just the power of YouTube and the podcast. I mean, you can literally, I'm redoing my house. I've never done half the shit that I'm doing. I just keep watching YouTube videos and I do it. I'm like, shit, that was, that was easy. Like this was easy. That was easy. It's just once you do it a couple of times and you get better and faster at it, and it's just like hunting. I mean, there's enough content out there that if anybody's listening, that's like you, that's just starting, you know, you can really cut your learning curve down to pretty much uh, probably, I would say a quarter of what oh, yeah. people, you know, back in the day. And like when they started hunting, there was just no content. Like there was the outdoor channel and that was about it. And like what you'd see on there is like, remember that one homie we, we had that episode that really changed us was this guy was hunting out of a ground blind. What state was that? Like North Carolina or something? I can't remember. But it was like opening day. They moved the ground blind closer to the deer. Like, I'm like, what? If I hunt yeah. out of a ground blind, a deer sees me from three miles away and they moved it. I was out in the beans feeding to get closer yeah. to him and then shot him. I'm like, okay, we got <laughs> yeah. Something's not adding up. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was one where this guy, like starting in June, he like stops eating onions, stops eating yeah, a bunch yeah, of shit. Yeah. I was like, yeah. cause it's coming out through his skin and everything. I was like, what is this? Guy? This guy's to, on a whole nother level. To hunt. That yeah. That was wired, on wired to hunt. That was like the first podcast I ever had you listen to yeah. on wired to hunt when we were at work. And this guy's like, yeah, I stopped eating onions. No one in my family eats onions. No jalapenos. 
nothing. He, My tank control is the best. He pretty much pumps gas naked. Like, you yeah. know, he's not getting any yeah. fumes on him. <laughs> it's like, I, I got like, my gas pumping clothes and I'm like, holy <laughs> yeah. this guy so that, is out, out left field over here. But that's, that's one that's of the best things I learned from you guys. Yeah. We were like, we got to talk to some normal guys that they're doing stuff that we can actually do. Like, yeah. and that was our yeah. main goal. Yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, funny. You mentioned the, the gas pumping clothes. Cause that's one of the, it, not that, but that, that topic is one of the things that i really resonated with me is like i never thought honestly until i listen to your podcast and this might sound dumb to a lot of people but like i never considered all of these outside smells affecting me in the woods like i'm not a smoker very rarely i'll have a cigar i don't drink alcohol hardly ever um but i'm like you know i'd walk into a gas station to get a monster and you know a snack on my way to the woods in my hunting clothes with my boots on you know, pump gas with those same clothes on and then go in the woods. And like, I know you touch, you touch a gas pump with your hand, your hand smells like gas for the next hour. But for whatever reason, until I heard that on one of your episodes that where, uh, and I think, I think last breath talked about it too, um, uh, about how they don't get dressed until they're there. And I'm like, Holy crap. Like, why did I never think about that? Like, again, it was one of the things that was probably my second season, maybe the third season where I like, finally was like holy crap like i need to do something to control the smell coming off and uh you know i mean of course i naturally smell amazing but um (laughs) you know (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding uh so then i started looking into that and i'm like okay like again along with a mile long list of other things and i'm sure i've driven my wife absolutely insane because she's not a hunter i mean she loves the meat aspect of it but it's just you know she couldn't care less as long as i'm having a good time she could care less so then I'm like, oh, well, I got to do this. I got to try this. I got to try this. And last year, and I, I know it worked because I had so many close encounters with deer that ended up going downwind and they didn't react. So I know, or at least I'm pretty confident to say that what I did worked. And it might sound like a old trick. I don't know. I read about it in a Facebook group um, of New York hunters, but I took all my gear. I sprayed it down with scent control spray, let it dry. And then I put everything in a tote bin from Lowe's or Walmart, wherever I got it from, with a bunch of like random leaves and branches and grass and stuff from my hunting property. I collected a bunch of random things one time when I was checking shower cameras. I let everything dry out, threw it in the bottom of the bin with some dirt, set all my clothes on top of it, didn't touch it, didn't open it unless I was hunting. Like I'd keep it in the bed of my truck, boots, everything. Um, and I would get dressed on the side of the road in the middle of Mennonite country in New York <laughs> in the dark. And uh, thank God nobody ever pulled up on me while I was in the middle of doing that. But um, I started doing that. And, you know, of course, I'm trying to play the wind. But as you know, shit happens when you're hunting. And of course, like clockwork, every single time a deer would circle downwind from me. But what I noticed on a lot of those does that I passed up, even when they worked downwind, they never lifted their heads. They never started sniffing around. They never busted me. And I'm like, huh, like, okay, last season that happened and they took off and bolted. I mean, they, they knew I was there before I even knew they were there. And it was like, holy crap, like, I think this is working. Like my clothes very distinctly smelled like the woods. They smelled like pine or, you know, maple, whatever, uh, whatever stuff I had in the bin at the time. And so again, I credit you guys to that. I mean, 
these are little things, but all these little tiny things, they add up to a huge factor. You know, you, you smell like McDonald's or Taco Bell or a gas station. When you walk into the woods, they're going to smell you from a mile away. So, um, you know, another yeah, one thing I would, one thing I would say is if you find like, there's so much content out there right now, you can get like overwhelmed, but it, and like in your case, I used to do that. I don't do it anymore, but if it's working for you, do it. If you're seeing a positive change, just because someone, just because I'm not doing that, doesn't mean you can't do it. I, the way we hunt, it's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense for us now, you know. So, but for your scenario, it probably makes perfect sense, you know. Yeah. So, anybody that's listening out there, just because one guy's having success doing something, you can try it. If it doesn't work, shit can it. Your deer might be different. We've learned yeah. that over time. Like we have properties where you can literally set in a tree with no cover at all and have bucks underneath you chewing on brush. And then you can hunt a property where you have a doe 150 yards away that spots you. Like it's just, they're just different deer, you know, and uh, you got to do what works for you. So yeah. if, if like later, later on in the season, yeah. I got more into like scent control spray because once it got, you know, end of November, beginning of December, just like you guys, it gets freaking cold up here. Mm. Uh, I'm not getting changed on the side of the road when it's 15 degrees out. Like that's just, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I don't mind the cold, but I, I don't, I don't like it that much. Yeah. Um, so that then, you know, later in the season, once it got cold, then I would, you know, I'd wear my base layers and I'd maybe throw on my bibs or coat or whatever when I got there, but I would spray everything down ahead of time and just keep it in a bin that was dry. Like I, I'd spray them down the night before, throw them in the bin, the, just the, the outer layers and then throw those on when I got there. And it took two seconds. Um, yeah. One thing yeah, I will mention for you that we, we ran ads for the company on here, but last season, but for you, since it's so cold up there, that underwarmer shit we ran ads for, dude. Yeah. It is incredible, it. dude. It is like, yeah. we don't even run ads for them. It's crazy. We didn't have the opportunity to run ads for them this year. Dude, it is insanely good. Yeah. If it's super cold. I know you guys get some hella cold weather. Dude, oh, it, is yeah. like, it, it, it is i don't even know how to explain it yeah. like if you had a hard workout like yeah. you could put that on and you'd be in your chair like oh yeah dude it's just like a, <laughs> a heating pad on your back and chest like yeah it's, it's yeah I, i'm gonna try it this year i didn't uh i didn't try it last year um but i, I do want to try it this year mostly honestly like i have some you know I've acquired some great gear, so I'm not worried about necessarily being cold, but I'd love to reduce the amount of layers I have on. Yeah. So I'm going to try this year. Like, we know, my both took our fire jackets and I had mine unzipped. I don't even know mm -hmm. if homie put his on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I usually, I I've been filming, so I'm like, on. I'm going to have it on because I don't have to worry about it, you know, catching the bow or whatever. And I had it like unzipped and it was, what was it, like 10 out? It was, eight? it, it was. Uh, the temp was three, real feel of negative 10. And we sat for, okay. I want to say, just over an hour and a half, between an hour and a half and two hours. Yeah. So we sat for was, a while. We were out there like, man, I'm just chilling right now. Yeah, we, I mean, I'm we're talking good. and shit. Like, yeah. you know, it, it was it was crazy. It was totally you know way over expectation. You know if gets cold, he won't talk to you for hours. <laughs> he won't move. God, he don't this guy, blink. He don't talk to this you. This guy is frozen just, over there. like a cocoon like this. Just, <laughs> doesn't yep. move yep. Oh. like that's I, always I'm cool. one of those guys i'm like i'm always hot so like you know a lot of our stands are 
I shouldn't say a lot, but most of them are pretty close proximity to, um, like to the road access. So like if I, if I'm lazy and I want to go to one of the preset ladder stands, five minute walk from my truck, like, and there's enough roads and activity out there that I don't think deer necessarily notice unless you go stop it in right where they are. But like what I started doing last year when I started bow hunting is most of my family members that hunt with the exception of a cousin of mine, who's closer to my age, most of them are older. They're, you know, 60s, 70s. Hell, I got a great uncle that's in his 80s. Guy still hunts. I stay as far away from him as possible. He can't see, he can't hear, and he's got a rifle. I don't want to be anywhere near him. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, those guys, they'll they'll pick the the field edge ladder stand or the double buddy stand, whatever, that's, that's easy to access. It takes them two seconds to get there. But they also, none of them are seeing the bigger bucks. And I'm like, okay, like, we've got this great, like, thick nasty swamp that you can there's all these deer paths i mean my cameras that have the best activity are on both sides of that swamp i mean absolutely the black bear pictures i've been posting every single one of them is by that swamp or by the creek um great activity coming through those and that's where mike tyson first showed up and i'm like oh my god like why didn't i think about he's back in the pines like why didn't i think about that so this year now i've got cameras i've got four two on the east side of the swamp, two on the west side of the swamp. And sure enough, those four cameras that I've checked them, I put them out early. I love to see the progression. I love to see the fawns, the bears, whatever. So I put my cameras out super early. Um, and those, I just checked, you know, I ran down, I put them up about a month ago. I ran down just to make sure everything's working. Angles are good. I'm not getting brush pictures now that everything's growing in. And my God, just hundreds of pictures on all four of those cameras. Just tons of activity. Um, and now that those are in there, I probably won't check them again till maybe late August, early September. I'll let them sit, let them soak all summer. And uh, courtesy of you guys, I'll go in on a nice windy, rainy day and uh, and check those that time. So there's no scent left over. Another thing I picked up on from you guys um, and uh, and just kind of go from there and see where everything's at. But I'm, I'm focusing on the hardest to get to spots. I've cleared just enough of a trail that I can fit my tall lanky ass through. And, uh, and that's it. You know, I, I had to clear a little bit of brush, um, so that I could fit basically, uh, without crawling on my hands and knees. And other than that, I left everything as is. Um, and to, to piggyback on that real quick this year, I'm also going to be trying out, uh, saddle hunting, uh, never done it before. I'm not a, I don't hunt public land, um, to be very honest, but, I like the versatility. I like the, I mean, I haven't tried it in the woods yet, but I like the concept of it. And I think it'll be really beneficial for those hard to get to spots that I'm going to be focusing on. So uh, I'm going to try that out this year. A buddy of mine is letting me kind of do a trial run with his, uh, his tethered, uh, tethered phantom, I think it is. Um, so I'm going to try that out this year and try to use that in those difficult spots, um, especially during bow season. So um, I'm not sure if, I don't think I'm going to gun hunt at all this year. I think I'm pretty locked in on the bow only concept. I'm a little bit stubborn in that sense. I'm, I'm determined to get a big buck with a bow. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been an amazing journey so far. I'm very thankful and grateful that one, I have the opportunity to do that. And I, you know, I'm well aware that there are not everybody out there can just suddenly decide to pick up hunting and they have access to 180 acres of private land with like, three people that hunt it like 
that's a rare thing. I, I fully understand that. And I have tried a couple public land uh, locations that are out this way. Unfortunately, they're just mobbed with people. I mean, because there's, you know, you'll have pheasant season going on or, you know, duck season, geese season, whatever at the same time. And it's just mobbed with people. Um, and I'm not too keen on getting shot in the woods. So uh, given the amount of people, I kind of, I, I had one call that was a little close for comfort and I was like, okay, uh, I'm not going to come here again. And I'm sure I get up into the mountains or something. It's, it's much less, much less populated, but with, with three kids and uh, uh, you know, busy career, that's not an easy thing to pull off very often. So. So I think uh, now we'll kind of transition, just like you were saying there, you're going to focus this um, season more onto them hard to get to spots. And I think that that's a good um, spot to pivot to um, talking about being a little more fit. And I think Cody and I's um, fitness journeys are a little bit different than yours. Um, And and, in less than a minute, um, I think we just kind of go around real quick and kind of talk about our fitness journey from start to where we're at now. And then, um, we'll maybe hit some topics of how being fit has helped us in, in the hunting sense here. So, uh, my journey is kind of growing up being athletic there like Matt and, um, obviously turned 21, 22, got settled down with the wife, um, got married, and then I started blowing up, putting on the pounds. I got my career, got my first career job, um, was really settling into just a, a normal pattern as an everyday guy. And I put on, I probably graduated high school at like 155. Um, by now I'm 22 and 25. I weighed like 225 pounds, not in very good shape. Um, it was, we, had, we went to a wedding in October come home and then that was when the wife told me she was pregnant with our first son and I was like I got to get my shit in gear because I want to be the dad that's out in the backyard like I am right now playing baseball with my boys doing tricks on the bicycle you know whatever they want to do if they want to if they want to go like I want to be able to go and uh, especially being 32 now um, I can do that so since 2000 and uh, 15 late 2015 2016 the first two years was a little on and off but uh, I got down to 185 there by the end of 2016, so I lost 40 pounds there. And then since then, um, I put in a home gym, I guess, and got a squat rack, quite a few dumbbells, was doing some home workouts at night, and then um, kind of outgrew it. And two years ago this month, Cody said, hey, why don't you start coming to the gym with me in the morning? And I was kind of at that point where I was starting to outgrow my home gym, and I've lost 20, 20, more, 20 more pounds of fat and put on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle there. So um, sitting pretty lean right now is probably the, the best I'll ever look in my life because I'm, I'm over it right now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little more balanced going forward here, and uh, that's kind of my story here. Uh, Matt, go ahead with yours real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, that picture you posted, dude, you're – you're freaking killing it, man. Like, oh, that's, thanks, man. There's not a lot of people that get that shredded. Like that's impressive. Takes a lot of dedication to get to that point. I, I felt um, I feel every meal that I I shortened cool. up a little bit there. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. There's there's nothing uh, more. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Debilitating than a calorie deficit for yeah. an extended period of time. So I, I get that. Uh, so my fitness journey is similar but very different at the same time. Um, so I grew up an endurance athlete. Um, 
you know, I did track, I did cross country, um, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a second. Um, but track, basketball, soccer, those are my three big sports. Um, ironically, if you know me now, uh, I was cut from the basketball team. Uh, let's see here, what was that? My sophomore year, uh, I was too short, I was too small, and I was not strong enough. Uh, which if you see me now is quite the opposite of what I am right now. So it's kind of funny when I tell people that uh, I hit my growth spurt later, like, you know, between my sophomore and junior year was when I really started to sprout up. Um, I'm six, four. Now I was probably five, one or five, two as a freshman. So um, I, I made quite a jump. It hurt a lot of growing pains there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was always an endurance athlete. I was a mile, two mile cross country guy. I mean, I got sub five in the mile in high school, sub, uh, 11 in the two mile. Um, you know, I, I was quick. I was like a, a white Ethiopian kid from <laughs> the middle of the world. <laughs> Hopefully nobody <laughs> takes offense to that, but, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll have to send you a picture. I was a freaking beanpole. I also graduated high school at about 150 pounds, but I was six foot three, um, and, you know, went to the military. Um, they actually put me on an eating waiver when I went through basic training. I had to eat more than everybody else because they wanted me to gain weight. Uh, I was too skinny. Um, when I went into the military real quick, I went in for special forces. I went in for uh, U.S. Air Force Pararescue, probably one of the most elite groups out there, um, right up there with Navy SEALs, Army Rangers. Full disclosure, I did not make it through the training. It was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. I made it through the indoctrination uh, and right after the indoctrination, I got hurt pretty bad. I jacked up my shoulder. They put me in a different career path, which is how I ended up where I am now. Um, continuing from there, you know, of course, I worked out religiously in the military, but again, more more cardio, more endurance based. Uh, I played a lot of soccer, a lot of basketball, lots of running. Um, it wasn't until I actually moved back to New York uh, after the military that I started to really get into weightlifting, like taking it seriously, anyways. Um, and that's where I got into powerlifting. Um, I am of course not built to be a powerlifter based on my body structure. Uh, there are not a lot of guys built like me that powerlift. Um, but I got into it and I fell in love with it. Kind of like I did with hunting. Uh, I became obsessed. I'm a, I'm kind of an obsessive personality when I find a hobby I like. Um, I think I weighed about 165, 170 pounds when I got into it. Um, and that would have been six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Um, progressively I got to where I am now. I'm currently 230 pounds. Um, I'm not at my strongest right now. I was about maybe three years ago, four years ago was when I was at my peak. I've had a couple more kids since then, career changes, all that it slowed me down a little bit, but now the past four or five months, I've really been back on track. Uh, you know, I've got my deadlift back up to over 500, my squats in the mid three hundreds, my bench is, you know, low two hundreds. I'm not built for benching. So, uh, I got a six foot eight wingspan, not ideal for benching. <laughs> um, but that's kind of where I got to in my fitness industry, um, or fitness, not industry, sorry, fitness, uh, journey. Um, and then pertaining to hunting the, the year I got the two does, I very quickly realized I was big. I was strong. I felt amazing until I tried to do something that required cardio endurance. And then I'm like, man, I'm, I'm gassed. You know, my wife and I, we'd be walking to the mall, I'm huffing and puffing. Like, I mean, I, I just couldn't carry the weight. I wasn't at that point. I was probably 245 pounds. Um, I was still pretty lean, but I just, my body wasn't made to hold that much weight. I'm like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta lean out a little bit. I need to lose a little bit of weight. Um, so I did that, you know, I'm down, been down hovering between 225, 230 now. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my fitness journey. And I, I mean, we could certainly touch on how that's affected me as a hunter in a, in a minute, but 
uh, yeah, that's that's my journey so far. Bean pole to bigger bean pole, I guess. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we got over there, Cody. Uh, I was two twenty five ish. Uh, got out. I was out of high school. I was probably like one eighty five, one eighty. Got up to like two twenty five, working on the road, running machines for the railroad. Um, started working out right before homie did at the gym. Um, got down to like one eighty five and around thirteen percent. And almost a hundred pounds of lean mass. That's like my major goal to yeah. get a hundred pounds of lean mass. I'm like 97.5, right? I'm close. Uh, but now I work out four days a week is what I've been doing. And I'm right on the edge of progressive overload and not getting injured. I'm, <laughs> I've had a couple yeah. of injuries. I injured my yeah, shoulder. I injured my wrist where my thumb connects. And every time I have that injury, it's like months is gone. You know, so I go really, really hard. I wasn't eating a lot, trying to be as lean as I could, going super, super hard, you know, 13% body fat at 100 pounds of lean mass, lifting heavy still, and I just would get injured. And it's, I, it wasn't maintainable for me. Um, some people can't maintain it. Homie can maintain that. His dedication, um, his recovery, he focuses on a recovery lot. I'm more of like a kind of on the whim kind of guy. Um, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it, but it's going to be my way. Like I'll get it done, but it's not going to be textbook. It's going to be kind of shitty, but it'll, it'll be good. At the end, you know, <laughs> that's just how I roll. I'll be honest that like, I, I, if you want something done along the way, you're going to be like, man, I don't know if this guy knows what the hell he's doing. But at the end, you're going to be like, yeah, it turned out pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's just how I do. Shit. So, um, I would, I haven't weighed in a while. Last way a month ago, I was like 13.5. So I'm going to say I'm probably close to that right around the 185, 190. Um, and I used to track everything I eat. I don't track anything. I just kind of figured out how my body looks and feels. And I'm increasingly getting heavier on my list. I'm up to like 245, 250 on my bench. Um, I've never maxed on squats. I know I can hit 300 for like eight. Uh, and then my deadlift, probably 405 is about all I got on that. I used to be stronger on deadlifts, but my wrist, dude, I, I put a lot of weight on the wrist straps on my wrist and I can feel it. And I'm, I think there's a point, I'm 30, which I know is young for a lot of guys, but if you're getting injured, I wasn't eating enough. That was my problem. I was trying to be too lean and not recovering enough. And I'm in the gym just sore as hell with no energy, still trying to rip hard and lift heavy. And then it would end up in an injury. So now I'm just like four days a week, but I'm still, I'm still gaining. I'm still happy with the way I look and I'm probably the strongest I've ever been. Like I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm strong and that's, that's what I like. Like, I don't, I don't need to be super fast or super jacked. I just want to, I, I was talking to my buddy and I said, if there was a guy who ran a fitness class that was like, all right, all I want is some guys that can just fuck shit up. I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm in. That's, that's what I want to do. Like, cool. I don't want to be a power lifter. I just want to be able to, to, to jack stuff up. You know, that's it. Yeah. I just want to be able to go hard. Like, if a guy's like, Oops. all right, we're Oops. going six Oops. miles. I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, like, that's, that's me. But yeah, that's my there journey. It, it was not like this. It was more like, some circle <laughs> shit and, and then, but now i'm on like a slow ticker where like I, i'm 
feeling good mentally and because like when you get injured dude and you're just like you put 135 on and you're like oh my god like it, you're just oh, like yeah. i'm back where i started you know mm -hmm. and then it's crazy when you're playing that fine line of of not eating a lot and trying to maintain your protein how easily the muscle mass just falls off your body it's like gone like, yeah you can't lift as heavy you're not using it as much gone and it's just like well there went three months of my life there went six months of my it was just it's just but now i got a good system that's the main thing homie homie's more dedicated than i am and understands the recovery process more than i do and works harder than me just straight up works harder at it than me and that's how he's able to maintain when i wasn't i wasn't there like yeah. i'd love to be that lean and jacked i just i just physically i have it in me but i'd be risking injury with my like every every week i'd be on the edge so yeah, oh, it, yeah. I, i've been through that injury process it's it's brutal i i tore it was right about when i when i lost a lot of my strength i i hit my best deadlift ever in a meet and then like a month month and a half later I hurt myself pretty bad to the point where uh, I thought I was going to have to get taken out of the gym on an ambulance, like in an ambulance. Like I, I really thought I had made a catastrophic mistake. Um, I pulled like 590 in a competition and like I was on the ultimate high. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, my lifetime goal has been to break 600. I'm like, I'm so close. I'm so close. So like a month, month and a half later, I decided to go for it in the gym. And I'm like, I got this. But at the time I did not have great technique. And I got about three quarters of the way up and I felt like a snap in my back. And I, I literally just buckled. I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't move my legs. And I'm like, you know, I, I mean, instant panic. My, my wife was my fiance at the time. And uh, yeah, so this would have been over four years ago then because our fifth anniversary is coming up. Um, and I had somebody go get her. I'm like, hey, like, I, I need help. Like, I can't get up. And, I, you know, it took me five minutes to get up. And turns out I just, I tore a muscle. I had a bulging disc, um, able to get it, you know, recovered and everything. But, it, I mean, it set me back a couple of years in training by the time I was able to, like, really lift again. And I had, like, horrible sciatic pains every time getting in and out of my car at the time, which at the time I had, like, a little Sonata, like, four yeah. inches off the ground. Oh, my <laughs> God, it was brutal. I look like a 90 year old man getting in and out of that thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. I mean, I'm, I'm 31, almost 32. So I'm the same age as you guys. Yeah. It's uh, when everybody says things get harder in your thirties, they were not joking. I was like, okay. Like metabolism slowed down significantly. Injuries take a lot longer to bounce back from. And like, you know, now, I mean, you guys as well, like I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm, I'm a father. I've got a career. Like I can't, I can't risk that. So I'm a lot more conservative in my training now, whereas before like, Oh, go, 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 go like stack on the weights. I'd train six, seven days a week. I never slowed down. Whereas now I'm like, okay, like let's train four days a week, take a little bit more recovery time, eat better. And it's definitely, yeah, I wish I had done that five years ago because I probably would have had a lot less injuries throughout the process. But, um, but yeah, I mean, as, as far as like, as far as hunting goes, uh, there's this, like, I'm sure you guys have probably heard it in the fitness world, but like, you know, strength is never a weakness. It's the most cliche weightlifting quote probably ever. But like, I, I look at that in all aspects of, you know, my career being a dad, like being a, a strong at anything in any aspect of, of the word is beneficial. Uh, you know, if you're strong, you're in good shape. 
in my opinion, and again, I'm a very novice hunter in comparison to you guys in comparison to probably almost everybody that's going to listen to this. Hopefully it's not too many people. Um, hopefully I'm not embarrassing myself, but you know, the way I look at it is if I'm in better shape getting to and from my stance, one, I'm able to control my body a lot more. Therefore I'm not making as much noise. I'm not breathing as heavy. I'm not sweating as I'm going to the stance. So I'm not putting off a smell or an odor in the woods. Um, and then, you know, of course you need to be strong enough. Uh, like now a lot of my, a lot of my stands are like kind of a mobile setups, a couple of them are pre-hung one I keep as a mobile setup so I can move around. Um, you need to be strong. You need to be in shape to throw climbing sticks up, get up a tree safely. Uh, you know, those are all things that I think being in good shape helps with. I mean, of course, like you got to be able to get up the tree, down the tree safely. You want to do it, of course, quietly and as stealthily as possible. Um, and I, I see absolutely no harm in being in better shape for that. And like, I've always, I've always dedicated my training. Like I've always had a goal. I've always been training for something, practicing for something, whether it's a specific sport, an event, a competition, whatever. And then for a while, I kind of lost that. Like I decided to stop doing powerlifting competitions because I had kids. I'm like, okay, like I can't dedicate the time because when I got to that point with a meet, I'd get tunnel vision and I, you know, I wouldn't be the best dad. I wouldn't be the best husband, whatever. And I kind of lost that vision and I'm like, okay, like I need something to train for. So like, kind of like you guys just said, like, I want to be that dad that's outside playing with my kids and doing it with ease. Like I want to be able to play and be in good, good shape. And I, I don't want to be every other dad I see at the school pickups or school drop-offs that's, you know, 50, 60 pounds overweight, you know, can't get in and out of their cars. I don't want to be that dad. I want to be like the jacked, good looking dad. Mm -hmm. It's like outdoor playing, coaching, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I always want to be that dad. Plus I got two daughters. Someday they're going to date guys and I want them to be absolutely terrified of me. Uh, so that's a fitness goal too. Um, but, uh, you know, so I kind of turn that focus like, okay, like let me train in a way that's going to benefit me for the hobbies I have. Uh, like work, my work is not physically demanding, like hardly ever. Uh, it's a lot of driving, communicating. It's mentally exhausting, but it's not physically exhausting. Um, it's not like working in the trades or working on the railroads. Like it, it's, I grew up working on a farm. That's hard work. Like that's brutal. This is not, I'll be very honest. Um, so like, it wasn't necessarily for that. Um, but I was like, okay, well, let me train in a way that benefits me for hunting or for playing with my kids or whatever in a way that's going to be beneficial for that. So I kind of took that focus that way. And, you know, I train still very much so in a powerlifting way. Uh, you know, I focus on the main core three lifts of powerlifting, but the accessories and the other stuff I do rounds me out a little bit. Like I make sure that my cardio levels are up so I'm not gassed walking to a tree stand and making a ton of noise. Um, you know, I make sure that I can handle myself getting in a tree, uh, you know, which I had to work on mobility and agility for that. It's something that, you know, I've always been stiff as a board when it comes to my flexibility. So, uh, you know, I worked on that to help with hunting. Uh, and again, I'm sure there's better references out there. Like I'm no Cameron Haynes. I'm no, you know, Josh Bomar. I'm not like on those guys level. Uh, those guys are two, probably the two biggest names when it comes to fitness and hunting together. They're they're freaks of nature. So I'm not on their level. I'm not trying to compare myself to them, but if there's another guy in my position or woman in my position that started as an adult that can benefit from this or wants to talk about it, I'm always open for that. And like, I hope I'm not boring anybody with this conversation, but, um, 
you know, I think there's a lot to learn, uh, a lot that I still have to learn, I should say. Um, but again, I credit you guys, specifically you guys, for a lot of the learning that I've been able to do through podcasts, through YouTube videos. The core of what I've learned has come from you guys. If anything, it's been reinforced by other things that I've watched or listened to. Um, but, you know, again, kudos to you guys for putting out, like, genuinely really helpful and informative information informative information i think that's kind of a double whammy but um you know just again and you guys have been nothing but friendly i'm pretty sure the first time i messaged you guys on instagram was a couple years ago you guys have been awesome you've always responded you've always been great answered questions pointed me in the right direction um you know so again just massive shout out to you guys for just being you know like genuine down to earth like good people like that 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 means a lot for somebody in my situation because you know I'm in countless Facebook groups. I'm in, you know, follow countless podcasts and Instagram pages. And there's a lot of negativity out there. Like I'll ask a question and, you know, and I'm, I'm asking genuinely, I don't know. I, you only know what you know. And I'll ask, and my God, I can't tell you how many times I've been ripped apart on Facebook for it. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know these things. I'm, that's why I'm asking. Um, and you know, you guys have never done that. A couple other guys have reached out to have never done that. And it's just been, it's been awesome to have people like you out there that are putting this kind of content out there and, and helping people like me who didn't grow up with a huge knowledge base on hunting. And, and like Cody said earlier, you know, I've been fortunate enough to learn in three or four years, what it's taken most people 15 to 20 years to learn. And, uh, you know, that's because of modern technology, social media, YouTube, stuff like that. Um, but again, when I first started watching hunting shows or listening to podcasts, it was the Drury's. It was these big name guys with thousands of acres at their disposal. Everything's groomed and catered and you know, set up for huge whitetail deer. And I didn't have that. I had, you know, I mean, I have a pretty good chunk of land to hunt on. So I'm, I'm blessed in that aspect, like I said, but it's not thousands of acres. I don't have hundreds of giant bucks walking around to choose from, you know, I've put a lot of work into property maintenance again tips and tricks i've learned from you jeff jeff sturgis i think is his name jeff sturgis um his youtube page as far as like little tips and tricks to to cultivate and groom your land and you know cheap and inexpensive ways um you know there's there's lots of great content out there so uh, to anybody that is in my situation it's hard it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of research it's 100% possible. Um, it's, you know, and it's been extremely rewarding. I don't have a lot of deer under my belt yet. I just got my first turkey. I've got the fan sitting over the fireplace. Uh, the wife's not crazy about that one. <laughs> but um, sitting right next to the coyote head that's mounted on the wall. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been an extremely rewarding journey. Uh, and, I, you know, I hope, you know, I'm starting to get my kids into it. They're expressing interest in it. Uh, my son, especially, is three. If, he, if the kid could sit still, I would take him already. I mean, he's obsessed with it. So um, I'm looking forward to that next step in the journey and uh, in progressing. Hopefully this year I'll get Mike Tyson or another big buck down, something like that, and uh, and be able to share that with you guys. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Go ahead, homie. I was just going to say, you know, we, we appreciate all the kind words. And, uh, you know, that's kind I'm glad that uh, you can pick up that message from us. And uh, just to kind of spin off what you said there is um about you know it is hard to get the knowledge and stuff um not as much so now but it is hard to learn what and know what you don't know um and also 
kind of tying into this episode is it's hard being fat and it's hard to be in really good shape, you know, just find the middle of the road. Cause they're both hard, you know, and you didn't get there overnight and you're not going to be where you want to be overnight either. Just keep that in mind. And, um, you know, I, I just want to shout out a couple guys, um, that are low key that we, um, are in that we talk to a lot. Um, Chad Sylvester from Exodus, Garrett, Jesse and Matt from last breath, uh, Josh Prophet, Byron Horton from Whitetail Experience, um, you, Matt, and you, Cody. Uh, I, you know, I talk to pretty much all them guys all the time, and they're out there busting their ass in the gym as well. And um, just a nice little group to talk about stuff and bounce ideas off each other. So um, there's some people that you can reach out to if uh, if you're needing a, a challenge. Absolutely. So when are you guys coming out for the, uh, the deadlift session? <laughs> Bro, my back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my back. <laughs> we got the news about you, you got any of those, uh, rubber weights that don't weigh 45. Yeah. Uh, just, strong as yeah. Hell? There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's what I need. Yeah, I'll, th- I'll throw those on there for you. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, that's uh, what I need. genuinely been a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully I said something that resonates with somebody and that I didn't totally waste everybody's time that listens to this, but, um, no, no, I think this is perfect, man. There's, there's someone out there listening. That's in the same boat as you, I guarantee it. And, uh, you know, this might be the first time that they're listening to this podcast, uh, as a newer hunter getting into it. And, you know, you saying those words, hopefully they don't know, they don't only listen to our podcast, but they listen to every podcast they can. And they find the podcast that they like that they can learn from. It's not about, you know, everybody listening to us. It's about everybody finding the content to become a better person, better hunter, whatever it is. And we try to spread, you know, we're a hunting podcast, but we always say leave a legacy. We're trying to spread, be a good dad, do the right thing. It's another thing we said, like, try to be the best you can, try to do the right thing, try to make people happy. Um, We're coating those in with uh with hunting you know we're sprinkling them on top just to try to make one person a little bit happier you know and that's that's the goal we want to make everybody better hunter we want to make someone's perspective a little bit better and i think this podcast was maybe maybe someone's on the edge of like man i'm going to start working out and i'm going to start getting my stuff together and they listen to this and this is what they needed to say damn it all three of these normal guys that were a, a little bit overweight all turned a corner now they're you know healthier happier mentally healthier and they just feel good about where they're at right now so hopefully we made an impact with someone yeah absolutely and if anybody that listens to this is in new york state and does want to learn or wants to hunt together whatever i'd be more than happy to host you uh we've got plenty of land to hunt um plenty of opportunities you can't kill mike tyson but else. <laughs> um, so full disclosure on that one. Uh, if anybody sees that picture of him, he's off limits. Uh, but no, I mean, I would love to, you know, take what I've learned and what I know now, and I'd love to mentor somebody, help somebody or have them come teach me stuff. Uh, you know, I'm always open in every aspect of my life to learn. So uh, if anybody else is in New York state, um, wants to hit me up, absolutely. You know, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to learn from you, maybe teach you something. i Chances are you're going to teach me something before I teach you something, but yeah, always open to that. Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. We'll tag your uh, Instagram here in the description of this episode and uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you again. Anytime. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. 
um, really cool to see us transition through hunting over the past, you know, three, four years. Like we were saying, that's for me, that was like a 10 year transition there to when I actually killed a deer with a bow, you know, it took me a while to, to get to that level. I killed, you know, I killed one early. And then after that early one, that eight pointer I killed, man, it was an absolute grind to kill another one with a bow for a couple years. And it's cool to see him, you know, nothing to, to success with a gun, to success with a bow, boom, boom, boom. Um, so quickly. So like we said on this podcast, if it, it, it's not about just listen to our podcast, it's finding something that you relate to that you can learn from and you enjoy and you're entertained. Um, if, if this is a podcast for you, great. If not, there's literally a hundred hunting podcasts out there that you can get some kind of knowledge to, to move your game up. Um, but I think that's the hunters from 10 years from now are going to be so, so good compared to the last 10 years. It's going to be insane just because there's so much content out there for people to absorb really quick. I agree. Um, uh, the transition time is going to be boom. You know, a guy's going to know about buck bedding, wind, thermals, everything. Two podcasts <laughs> in, he's going to be like, damn, you know, he's going to mess up a few times, but there's going to be he at least a has lot the of people idea. out there. Yeah, that are going to be, that's going to be like a light switch. So we hope you guys enjoy this podcast. We talked about some fitness stuff on the end. Um, if you're in, interested in that, you can reach out to us at all. If you're interested about bettering yourself any way possible, we're definitely not experts, but we've been in the game long enough that we know what worked for us and what didn't. If you're on the edge about trying it, uh, getting out there and doing it, um, hopefully I can give you a little push. Just give it a shot and see what it's like. Um, it'd definitely help you mentally, not only physically while hunting. Um, just it makes you feel better. Um, get those endorphins and really, really start changing your perspective on on what life's about. So, like always, uh, we love you. We appreciate you listening all the way to the end. Um, we got a, a lot of a lot of podcasts today this shit, but we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for the season. Working on a couple series from you. I got some awesome news coming up real quick um, from some of our sponsors. Um, going to get our content somewhere else. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. So we're going to keep sending it hard for you guys and uh, keep doing the right thing. We're going to keep leaving legacy and white till legacy is out. <laughs>